Welcome back to Foundational Thoughts, the podcast of the Missouri Baptist Foundation. My name is Neil, and I am your host. And today, I'm really excited because our conversation is going to be with a a new friend of mine, at least over the last year and a half or two years. I think he is new to our state, and that is Jim Mislowski. And uh, I've learned to pronounce his name close to being accurate now after uh, almost (laughs) a year and a half. Uh, But what I'm most excited about is that uh, Jim is a fifth-level black belt leadership ninja. And so that's what we're going to be talking about uh, over the next couple of sessions is leadership. So, Jim, tell me, uh, tell me about your background and, and how did you come to Missouri again? Tell us a little bit about your family and who you are, and then we'll dive into leadership here. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me, Neil. Um, it's been great to get to know you and work with you. We actually worked together over the phone first when I was in Colorado as a missionary, and you were several years ago. That's right, you remember. And uh, so we we got there. So my wife Paula and I, uh, she was born and raised in Missouri. I was raised in Missouri. Uh, the Lord called me to missions in college uh, through kind of a. Everybody has strange circumstances, but I, I graduated from college with an art degree, went into the advertising industry. Okay, wow. I thought I was going to be uh, go to seminary and do that. God didn't lead me on that path. He led me to be a marketplace missionary. Nice. So for almost 20 years, uh, I worked in ad agencies, uh, starting as a graphic artist and moved in, into brand management. Uh, and then uh, in the middle of that career, God sent Paula and I to Colorado. Uh, with our three children, we landed on the ground. Uh, we got uh, sucked into church planting because in Colorado, it's a fairly unchurched state. And uh, so we spent 20 years there uh, planting churches and coaching church planters and then uh, working at the convention level there as the state director of missions. And then uh, just two years ago, the Lord called us back to Missouri. Uh, through the Missouri Baptist Convention, not anything we expected. Uh, And especially uh, you called me this uh, black belt ninja leadership guy. I'm still surprised that I am serving as the developing leader catalyst because I've always admired and have been uh, amazed at good leaders but never perceived myself as a good leader, even though people continued to invite me into places like that. And so at some point, you have to get over yourself and go, this must be some way that God's gifted me uh, in spite of what I, I can't see. And so, and so where, did, where did that interest in leadership come from, do you, do you think, over time? Is that something you've always kind of been interested in leadership? Is it because you saw poor leadership sometimes? We see some things that are done poorly, and we're going to go do them better, or maybe we've seen great leadership, and we want to be like that. What do you, what do you think happened for you for leadership to be an interesting topic for you to study? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. Okay. I, I just, um, I would see uh, leaders that didn't do well and wondered why, uh, but more importantly, I saw leaders that led well, and I had people that just poured themselves into me. Mm. Uh, I think I've always been um, I came from a broken family uh, where lack of leadership was huge mm. uh, for me, and I longed for uh, good leadership. So um, that's just something that the Lord's put in my heart. I don't know how we're, we're wired that way. I think we all, we all want to be led well. Okay. And, so, and you think everybody wants to be led well, I so think, that's something that we're striving. I think we're—I see it all the time. We, all, we have an innate 
need to be led well. We can, we can tell uh, when we're not. And um, you think that's true, whether it's in the church house or in the marketplace or the business place, people are looking to be led. Even in the family, so, I mean, at every level. So talk to me about leadership then. How do you define leadership? What is leadership? And is there good leadership, bad leadership? Is there Christian leadership, non-Christian leadership? What are your current thoughts on this idea? Yeah, so that um, that's something that's always uh, migrating in me. Because uh, I, I, did, I did used to uh, do this kind of black and white thing. Well, there's biblical leadership and there's secular leadership. And the more that I've been around leaders and studied this, it really, uh, the, the kind of language that I'm kind of using now is that there is authentic servant leadership, okay. and then there is corrupted leadership. Authentic or servant leadership, that's the same word definition there, or corrupted leadership. Yeah. Okay. And you will find that both in the church and in the secular, we'll see uh, examples of both across the lines. And so... Uh, authentic leadership or servant leadership is a, a leader who um, identifies and gathers power in order to serve others. Okay. It's a other-serving, selfless use of power to benefit the good. And corrupted leadership are leaders that uh, see power and accumulate power and gather power for the sake of accumulating power itself. Uh, and it's it's always self-serving and egotistical. It can, but it can be masked, right? There's some leaders really good at making corrupted leadership look like good leadership, and it's not until they're exposed that that comes through. But and, and boy, that has some real implications for a national system where we vote on leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think we as people want someone who's leading and using power for our benefit. That's very attractive to us except for the times that we have the power and authority, and then, well, I guess we still use it for us at that time as well. So maybe yeah. that, that doesn't change, but it's interesting that you say that it, it's you can find examples of authentic servant leadership in the church where you would hope to expect to find that, but you can also find examples of that in, quote, the real world or in a secular or a non-Christian environment. It, was that hard for you to put your mind around? Is that something that people challenge you on that idea? Um, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't had a lot of challenge in that way. I, I do think it's been a, an issue for a long time. Church leaders read uh, leadership books, and, and often we're taking our cues from um, business leaders that are secular and not in the church. People go, well, should we be doing that or not? Okay, sure. Um, What's important, I think, for the church leader is to be able to identify authentic servant leadership and corrupted leadership, because I see very, and I'm not going to name any names, but I see, and this is just personal opinion, I see some uh, strong Christian leaders who are teaching a slightly corrupted form of leadership Mm -hmm. that lots of church leaders really like. Some of these Christian leaders have chosen to reach secular leaders through good leadership principles or seemingly good leadership principles in order to draw them into the kingdom of God. I don't know how effective they're doing that or not. Um, And at the same time, you can see a good secular leadership book, and it's also not, it's corrupted leadership. But there are so many good examples of secular leaders 
who are uh, dispelling really good servant leadership principles. There's several books that I recommend that we use that are they're, the kind of uh, things that are there aren't found anywhere but in Scripture, right? But they've been played out in the marketplace so well, and we can learn from those. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, that's I think a, it does. And I think the, the thing that you've mentioned is we all want good leadership. So especially in the church, those of us who feel a responsibility to lead well, we're constantly looking, or at least I think many of us are constantly looking for what is the best leadership practice? How do we do this? And sometimes our filter may not be, I think what you're suggesting is our filter may not be as correct on what is authentic versus what is corrupted simply because we found it in a Christian bookstore or in a secular bookstore. Right. And so, well, well, how do, and we have a tendency to follow too pretty quickly in the church. That yeah. I was even commenting to a friend just recently that the changes in the church that we have seen have been very rapid over my lifetime when it comes to worship style and acceptance of that, when it even comes to what you wear on a Sunday morning, how all that has changed so quickly. Do you think that's part because we're trying to find somebody to lead us into something that works better than what we know or what we're working, what's, what we're trying? Yeah. I mean, we, I think uh, part of our flesh is always driven uh, to, to be better than somebody else in a competitive way. Okay. Um, but in, in a redeemed person and a regenerated person, and, and we've kind of written this into our, our, the, the mission statement that I use that's kind of in the background. It goes, uh, we glorify God by developing joyful passionate multipliers for Jesus through radical trust in his power and not ours. Okay, you're going to repeat that again. As I was listening, and I'm paying attention to that, but say that again so we can listen. So uh, the statement goes like this, glorifying God by developing joyful, passionate multipliers for Jesus through radical trust in his power and not ours. Okay, now that's got some troublesome things when I when I look at that because I I know a lot of Christians, including myself, who may not be the most joyful people in that process. And and then you say something about multipliers for Jesus. That means other people have come to faith or a discipleship in me. This is a definition that don't we have a, a death row in that could be happier? That's all easier to do than something like this or. So uh, I think it is a challenging statement, and it's written to challenge all of us, okay. including myself. Well, it's doing that. It's, it's challenging me. I don't know right? if it's challenging you or not, but it's right? challenging me. Uh, so it starts out with our, the th- one of the things that I think is a, an important clarifier when we talk about what's authentic leadership and what's corrupted. Okay. Because the ultimate goal... And uh, I've asked you this before, what's the chief end of man? Right. Um, and it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so, and, and that's a scriptural thing. That's not just the, our Presbyterian brothers that right. uh, or brought catechism that up. Or someplace. They, yes. The reason they use that is because it's so evident through the course of scripture that this is about God's glory. Not and, my glory, not my safety, not my security, not my sense of feeling good about myself, those things come. I don't think you would say those are antagonistic toward the goal of glorifying God, but that's just not the purpose or the chief end. Not at all. So, but And, and to say that this is about God's glory doesn't mean that this is about our unglorious thing. Okay. Scripture says we're incredible, but we're incredible because we were created by 
mm. a, an incredible God, right? Mm. And, and our glory is always, the glory of man is always subservient and dependent upon the glory of God. So are you then suggesting that leadership, the ultimate goal of leadership is to glorify God? Absolutely. That is the, the most, uh, if you want to talk about biblical leadership, Okay, authentic, authentic servant leadership. Servant biblical leadership is always picking up an arrow and pointing it at God. Mm. It, it, there, there is, he is the only one that's glorious, and he is, he is everything to us. Like Paul says, in him we live and breathe and have our existence. So for... For any human being, whether they know the Lord or they don't know the Lord, they are walking around in a body that was given to them by him. They're breathing air that only he can provide. They are standing on solid ground that only he could provide. And so to do that, to walk around in our lives and not to acknowledge him as maker, creator, to give him glory for that, is wickedness. That, that is the essence of what sin is right? And so even if you don't know the Lord and you're doing a great job leading, because there are many, many people out there, men and women, who are great leaders. Sure. And they are truly serving other people. They are not acknowledging God. They're acknowledging the good of humankind. And there is goodness there. There is goodness there, but they have mistakenly in ignoring the Creator and elevating mankind, which was the the sin of Babel, right? Sure, and many others. Uh, and but it, and it's not that's not any different then than it is now. That um, to elevate the goodness of man without acknowledging who made man is sin. It's wickedness, right? So no matter how good that looks, the the problem is it's not glorifying God. It's glorifying mankind. And on the other side of that extreme, you can be leading poorly, not following all these biblical mandates, and even though you clothe that in a church environment, you can still not be giving glory to God even within his church house or his ministry, which I would assume makes him even more angry toward us. Jesus would say, I wish that you were either hot or cold, mm-hmm. hot being boiling mm-hmm. for God's glory, or completely rejecting His existence and authority, than to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's what He says, um, and He re- and, and that's reflected in Second Peter, where Peter says, um, "Those that have tasted, they've been enlightened, and then have uh, re-engaged in their old flesh patterns." are worse off than if they had never been that. And so for like for a uh, unregenerated man or woman to lead well and, and not acknowledge God, that's expected, right? They don't know the Lord. So for them to give him glory um, or not give him glory is normal. And, and to, to glorify man, that's normal, that's to be expected. But for a Christian leader who has, who's, the, the Lord of glory has revealed himself to them. They have had the experience of a new birth, and their spirit is alive. For them to lead in a way 
that brings glory to mankind. For instance, a church that says this is about how well we do church and not about how amazing our God is, how well Jesus did what he did on the cross. And that's our fine line right there. That's a, an abomination to the Lord. Hmm. What Revelation and, and First Peter and many other places would say, the Lord would say, I would rather that you're hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'm spitting you out of my mouth. Those are those are big words. Those are big words. Those are serious words. And so we're going to continue our conversation as you're starting to open up our mind to this idea of leadership. And leadership is really the power to do something about something in a sense and to use that power for the benefit and the goodness of people around us, but also and ultimately for the glory and the benefit. Yeah. Of God. Well, we're going to talk more about that in our next podcast as we unpack this. And in the future, in the next episode or so, we're going to go through some of those areas that we have to make sure that our leadership is authentic to benefit people around us. Jim, thanks for taking time to join us today on Foundational Thoughts, the podcast, the Missouri Baptist Foundation. (laughs) 